Welcome to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. This week, I'm joined by Jean-Michel Beaulieu, part of the Montreal-based fixed income sales team, and François Leclerc, one of our provincial bond traders. This week's episode is titled Fear Factor. I'm Ben Reitzes, and welcome to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC sales and trading desk to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep the show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted by our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Guys, welcome welcome back to the show. It's good to have both of you back on. It has been uh, quite some time. I think the last time I had you on here was uh, was in November. Uh, so it's been a, a number of months, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you back, and uh, I look forward to a, a lively discussion. Uh, happy to be back, uh, Ben. Happy to be back, Ben. Uh, I think we'll, let's start with the Bank of Canada. Uh, last week, which feels like, I don't know, months, weeks, quarters ago with the market volatility that's that's uh, gone on since then. But last week, we had the Bank of Canada deliver the first rate hike of the cycle for them. Uh, it is likely to be the first of, of many, or at least at least a few. Uh, I think at a minimum, I think those are pretty much baked in, and uh, there were there weren't really any surprises from the bank. Uh, there there was some chance that they could have ended their reinvestment program last week. Uh, Deputy Governor Lane suggested that they would. Uh, at least he hinted in that direction, but I guess that was uh, maybe inadvertent. And it looks like that's going to end in, in April, but I mean, really, not not a, not a huge impact from that perspective. And uh, the rate hike itself was was fully expected, uh, and, and and we expect another in April. And and the Bank of Canada has made it clear that uh, that they're going to raise rates a few times at least in a row here. Uh, that they're on a rate hike path, so that means we'll get a bunch of rate hikes. Uh, at this stage, uh, where we're, we continue to call for four consecutive rate hikes, so three more at the next three meetings. Uh, that's April, June, and July. Uh, that would that would bring rates to one and a quarter, uh, and then after that, things things could change a little bit. Um, at this point, with with inflation where it is and, and inflation expectations, I mean, teetering on pushing higher, especially given what commodity prices done over the past week. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, that I mean, it, it, it's hard to argue against the bank at least getting to one percent before starting to reevaluate things. And uh, I'd make the same argument for the Fed, and, and we'll hear from them next week. So. Uh, we can talk about that a, a little bit as well. Uh, Francois, what was your takeaway from the bank? Um, any Anything stand out or was it just plain vanilla, very straightforward? Yeah, very straightforward in my opinion. Uh, no, I wasn't in the camp of expecting early uh, 50 beep hikes uh, and uh, they stayed the course and uh, they went 25 and uh, uh, mentioned that they will keep going for the uh, foreseeable future. So for, well, as we expect, probably for the next four meetings at least, right? And uh, the um, I think that's just par for the course. And uh, yeah, it, we saw a lot of selling going into that, uh, lots of selling of fixed income. Uh, we can talk maybe about a buyer strike as well for everything that was new issue credit, which would uh, could explain 
some of the widening in, in all uh, in all credit corporates, uh, provincials, and all that uh, leading into the bank. But I think they they stayed the course, and it was pretty much as expected, in my opinion. Cool, uh, Jam. Any uh, different thoughts there? No, I don't think I can add anything to 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 Francois's uh, take. Basically, again, he's, they 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 made what they told us they would do, and so uh, no no big surprise here. How about client activity, uh, JM? Was it? Uh, I mean, did you see anything different from from what Francois was uh, mentioning earlier? Um, client activity is uh, painfully slow. Um, to be to be fairly honest, we we've seen a big reduction in risk taking from a lot of uh, edge funds, uh, domestic and international accounts. It seems like guys are not putting as much risk as they they used to. I mean, we we've definitely seen this trend starting in October when when kind of everything blew up, and it it uh, probably accelerated with this famous CPI print in the U.S. So what you see in the market is that the liquidity is thin. You can see major, major reversal. Thinking here about the the tips market, if if you if you look at the tips market, the trend was pretty strong into selling tips, selling real yield. Went from I don't know, minus one ten in in ten year tips to minus forty or something. And the way we we drastically reversed uh, shows me that that this market is just really really hard to to trade so to come back to, to canada again like from from the bank perspective there wasn't too much surprise from client activity there's therefore not much to add i guess and uh with basically everything that's going on uh russia and ukraine and and, and inflation investors are generally much more nimble than they uh they used to be I think to add to, to JM's point, sure. the uh, risk taking of clients, is, uh, as we've noticed, has really uh, gone down. And I think the fixed income class has kind of been the the most uh, damaged by it. You just look at where uh, CDX IG is trading now. You just look at the uh, significant illiquidity problems and uh, new issue concessions that's being priced in the corporate space. And um, the outperformance of the stock market compared to, well, stock market, call it S&P compared to, uh, to these uh, other metrics, cash, cash credit and, and uh, CDX hedge. We've just seen a massive underperformance of, of credit here. And the reason why is just shedding duration into the bank and shedding risk. So selling provincials in Canada for cash, selling corporates and all that stuff. Uh, which has led to a significant winding to uh, multi-year wides on on credit spreads at the moment. Uh, so, JM, you mentioned Russia, Ukraine. Let's let's uh, go there for a second, and, and we'll talk about the, the the market impact as well, and, and just risk tolerance in general. But uh, the, I mean, the Bank of Canada mentioned the conflict. I mean, as a new source of uncertainty, uh, obviously, and that part's pretty clear. Uh, and the way that I'm looking at, I mean, the way that I'm looking at things right now is. Uh, it, it, it just increases the tail risk generally uh, that, that are out there. We already have, we are right before Ukraine, we already had a notable tail of, of uh, maybe significantly higher inflation uh, and inflation really gaining traction from an expectations perspective and, and having a, a positive feedback loop there really 
pushing expectations higher and, and maybe causing uh, bond yields to become a little bit more unhinged at the longer end of the curve. Uh, now you have the risk of a, I mean, really World War III or, or some version of it, even if even if that doesn't seem particularly likely, it, it, is, it is a risk out there that this conflict worsens. Uh, and, and a risk as well that the, the, the sanctions put in place might cause enough economic damage to, to Europe and that, that causes some knock-on effect in North America and such that, that the, the growth outlook weakens that much more and uh, rates should be lower. So you have, I mean, both sides of this and I think both tails are, are uh, not, subs- not, not insubstantial in size. Like they're, they're both pretty, pretty big tails. Uh, and I think that's, that's part of what's going on on the risk side that like because there are big tails on both sides – uh, it, it is really hard to have conviction in a call right now. Uh, I know, I know, I'm having trouble, uh, and and so as long as that's the case, and so as long as this conflict continues, and and you just don't know what's going to happen next, and you have inflation picking up even more, uh, I think it's it's going to be very difficult to, to trade this market, and, and risk is going to be uh, it, it is going to be challenging for clients to to increase their risk appetite notably. So uh, we we could be in for this for for a little while yet, at least until something changes. I don't know what that will be. Uh, hopefully the conflict ends quickly and that, that'd be great. But they're, they're, those risks are are a serious problem. And, and as GM said, this for Canada, this goes back to last year when, when, when the bank surprised the market too many times, they just wiped out too many market players. Uh, even though they're being as predictable as possible now, it's going to take time to bring people back. And, and the, the geopolitical risk uh, certainly is not helping things. And then on top of that, again, inflation is a serious risk and, and, even if oil's down ten plus dollars today, it's it's Wednesday, March 9th in the afternoon. No guarantee it doesn't end up back at one twenty tomorrow or the next day. Uh, and and I, well, it, add to that the huge volatility in pretty much every asset class, uh, which just makes it really really hard to have a, a strong convicted view here. Uh, JM, I mean, there are lots of uncertainties here, and, and the Russia Ukraine uh, conflict is is really complicating things. Has your macro outlook? change at all what, what what's your base case here uh call it over the next three to six months well i, I think i think you said it perfectly uh infl- inflation is definitely the, the big tell it's I, I feel like it's becoming less of a tell and more of a you know higher probability scenario and uh to be honest with you i've been totally wrong for oh i guess the last uh five, six months when we started pricing more uh, structural inflation, I was clearly doubting um, this um, hypothesis. I thought I thought inflation would be front-loaded and it would uh, drastically come down. I still thought the same way before Russia came in uh, in Ukraine. So I was I was still believing that we we were reaching peak inflation with that that famous 7% CPI print in the US. Uh, but now I must say that I've completely changed my view. It seems like inflation is definitely here to stay. Inflation will keep going higher. So we'll, we'll, we, we didn't reach the peak uh, last month, given, given where food, uh, metals, and, and obviously oil is, is being priced right now. Um, you've seen the, the huge impact at the gas pump um, national average is making new high with uh, some region should 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 have some should have around five and a half dollar per gallon in the US which is like a huge huge move in in not a lot of months 
And so the, the issue to me, as you said, like there, there's, there's a lot of tail risk, uh, a lot of volatility, but it seems to me like the stagflation scenario is it's probably a 70, 80% kind of base case scenario at this point uh, where inflation went high so fast with with oil and and food it's going to impact the economy it's going to the impact for gr- the growth for sure i think the odds of a recession coming in the next year year and a half just uh, increase dramatically and so what we got is is a, basically a stagflation scenario which is the worst scenario possible for risk usually and this is why i think we have probably one of the worst setup for risk asset we've had since since basically the, the 07, 08 uh, uh, great financial crisis, simply because if growth tends to slow down and central bank cannot help in pushing rates lower or you know printing more money and fiscal can help either because there's too much inflation, basically central banks are stuck between a, a rock and a hard place, right? So multiples in stocks should should come down much more and we should see some credit stress and you this is ex- actually what you're starting to see at the, at this moment is that this commodity volatility is being funneled to through the credit and the funding market and so you you've started seeing uh fra from market fra OIS market uh libor OIS market uh significantly widen out and you're starting to see that that funding pressure pretty much everywhere uh, across every country. So this is where we are. It's just it's a tough, tough place to be in, in terms of risk. In terms of, of, of rates, they got to stay the course. They'll, they'll have to fight that inflation. So they'll, 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 they'll have to raise. And, and I, I, thought, I thought those rate like, um, I thought the central bank wouldn't raise into, those, um, into, into that market pricing. But nowadays, I just think they'll they'll have to do it, and it's it it, it, does, it is possible that they they raise they might raise even more um, to fight this inflation problem. Um, so it could give you a flatter curve. I mean, I I, I was I was in a flat flattening camp. I, I think that the curve could uh, effectively inverse sooner than the the forward price or pricing. That's fair. I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. I think there's a decent chance uh, there's a decent chance we could get some inversion uh, at at uh, some point. Probably, I mean, n- not all that far from now, later this year, uh, early second half or something like that is is certainly possible given how flat the curve already is. Um, but I I must say that is a very bearish, dark view on on the future that you have at the moment. Worse since before the financial crisis. I, I don't really like that. Um, Francois, can you can you make me happier? <laughs> I, not really. Well, I think Jam nailed it on on a, on a lot of points there. The credit market and uh, is telling a very uh, much darker story right now than the equities market. I would find just because uh, that's exactly what we seem to be pricing. Uh, War-induced recession and uh, central banks uh, it obligated to hike in the face of a recession, and it almost seems like that's what we're pricing. You look at CDXIG; we're rolling the uh, the contract this uh, this month, 
it's at 90, but well, tighter lately in the last two sessions, but like high 80s on the new series. So it is at multi, multi year highs, uh, despite stocks in the 4,300 level. Uh, it's just telling a very, very different story. If you recall, just pre pandemic, we were around 46 on uh, on uh, CDX uh, IG series. So a significantly darker picture painted by 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 credit right now. And I think it's exactly the points that Jam touched. Uh, Recession-induced war, uh, inflation being uh, the worst outcome, and central bank that need to hike in the face of it no matter what and have no bullets to cut. And now all governments will be stuck with a much bigger fiscal drag uh, from all this uh, stimulus spending over the last two years. So, I, I mean, I, I can sympathize with that view a little bit, at least. Um, I mean, they, they, I suspect that about this, there, there are, there's good odds that the central banks are going to have to be a little more aggressive on inflation uh, if things continue here. And I, I, I've, been, I've been on this bandwagon for a while, uh, and I'm, I'm not getting off now. But I'm not quite in the stagflation camp. I mean, it, it, for me, it, it really, I mean, I cannot emphasize this enough, really depends on what happens over the next month or two with commodity prices. Uh, if oil stays all the way up here, if we stays like 120 bucks and, and, and commodity price indices stay at record highs and, and wheat prices continue to go to the moon uh, and, and so on and so forth, and then, then we're going to have a prop, potentially a, a much more challenging period because central banks are really going to be under pressure because then you'll be looking at kind of everyday prices going higher generally. And when, when food prices and energy prices are, are, are rocketing higher, uh, that that's when inflation expectations are going to become a real issue uh, and, and, and probably pretty quickly. Uh, so it, it really depends on how this Russia-Ukraine war ends or how quickly it ends and how quickly markets can come to terms and, and stabilize with where commodity prices should be. And I don't know where that is. And uh, I think to some extent we'll kind of have to wait and see, but uh, oil probably not at 120 once things stabilize. I think probably maybe maybe closer to 100, but uh, triple digit seems seems decently likely here. Food prices, I think we'll have to wait and see on on kind of how how the harvest goes. Uh, not that I'm a farmer or know all that much, but I, I do know that uh, if you're fighting a war, it's pretty hard to plant your wheat, and it's going to be. Uh, pretty hard to harvest it if you're not planting it so uh the the the, the outlook there is is definitely challenging uh i'm not not quite in the stagflation camp yet but it, it the risk is definitely growing i wouldn't say 70 to 80 percent chance but i mean 30 40 for me somewhere in that neighborhood is in, and it'll move with commodity prices and with this uh, russian ukraine conflict and, and how that goes um i, I guess that, that's enough musings for me on inflation um i i, I Francois, can you can you give us some particulars on uh, on, on the provincial market right now? I guess what uh, what have you seen? What is most interesting? And I I think what's most interesting from my from my perspective, at least the tens thirties box is steepened a lot. I was hoping you could uh, give us a bit of an update on that as well. Yeah, so uh, obviously budget season just uh, right out of the way. Very encouraging for from many issuers and encouraging for the global picture of provincial issuance as a whole, right? We're going to close it roughly around $100 billion for, for the fiscal year this year uh, of total issuance. Uh, that's expected to go down again next year. Uh, we've been talking about commodity prices, but Alberta with some very encouraging numbers and using very conservative estimates for revenues next year. So 
should definitely run into surplus um, for the next fiscal year with very little issuance, if any at all, to do uh, considering where uh, commodity prices are at the moment. So it's very encouraging for the broader broader picture for for provincials. That being said, uh, long end spreads have uh, really underperformed recently. Going into uh, Bank of Canada central bank hikings, we we did see a lot of uh, chips being taken off the table and some some real money, some pension funds on programs selling uh, both tens and longs for spread. And as I mentioned, uh, there's a bit of a buyer strike. And uh, just nobody to, to catch the falling knife. So it moved pretty quickly and uh, it stabilized wider. Now, that being said, there are some pipelines in the short term that uh, are heavy on the long end. Uh, we've seen uh, Rogers, for example, with, uh, with corporate, corporate issuance. And as I mentioned earlier, like corporate spreads to probies has widened quite significantly. So uh, we are seeing some of the interest for for those deals uh, being against provincial credit. So it's generated a lot of pressure out the curve. And there's some other pipelines like that in in the upcoming weeks that should continue to weigh on the long end. But that being said, uh, there's no imminent provincial specific issuance uh, out the curve unless uh, significant material demand shows up. Nobody's stressed to, to issue longs at the moment. And issuance is going to go down so there's going to be less pressure so if we just go look back at where the issuance profile was in 2018 2019 i think we have to expect something very similar to that for the upcoming year and uh, obviously 1030 square box was significantly flatter back then uh hovering in the averages mid 12s call it um so i do expect that to perform uh obviously it's still far away but not that far away we'll soon be talking about uh, june coupon payment too right and and extensions in canada so uh we'll definitely uh, be seeing some uh some some performance there as uh, it's one of the biggest seasonality we see uh, we see in canada every year so i i really like the long end here i uh, i think it's it's a good spot to be i also think Five to seven years, getting more and more attractive as uh, swap spreads have narrowed significantly, uh, while credit remains pretty uh, pretty offered in there. Uh, we've started to see some significant picking away uh, from bank treasuries on asset swap in that term. So uh, I like that too. One sector I would dislike the most on the curve would probably be 10 years. And why is that? Yeah, just because the steepness of 10 30. So if I, I, I don't credit further out the curve and for the uh nicest roll down i'd go in the five to seven year sector where uh, you've got still some some pretty uh steep credit curves just look at uh, uh 24s 25s until june 25 is definitely the inflection point on the curve where you get the most uh, the most benefit um but all kinds of curve in Canada right now, even CMB curve or the Canada, um, you do get the nicest credit pick on that in that tenor, the 2025 tenor, and then it flattens out into into tens pretty aggressively, and then you have the nice pickup for for the long end. Obviously, uh, out the curve, I continue still to favor uh, the back dates, uh, 2050s, 2051s you still get a really nice credit pick from selling the benchmark and rolling back into uh, into 2050s, for example. That makes good sense to me. Uh, pretty, pretty much all of that uh, sounds uh, sounds good. Um, 
One one question on something I've been been pondering, and I, I don't necessarily have an answer. Is um, through this this Russia Ukraine episode, uh, we haven't really seen CMVs outperform to the extent that you would think. I mean, there's, it happened a bit and was pretty temporarily, but um, do you, I mean, do you have a, a a good explanation as to to why CMVs just aren't able to perform uh, versus brokers? Yeah, it's a trade that people have been trading tactically recently, and uh, but but the overall outperformance, like we saw in a risk-off event, like we'd expect in, in March 2020, for example, Provi's significantly widened versus CMBs. We're not seeing it right now. Um, the reason I'd say is uh, there was significant cash selling uh, going into the bank, and. A lot of people use CMBs as a proxy for cash. So if nobody is uh, buying duration through CMBs, well, if they're selling it, it puts pressure on, on CMB spreads because they're just cash sellers, right? So it is definitely a big reason why CMB spreads on a standalone credit product haven't been able to perform. It's just because of cash selling and uh, strike of cash buyers into a uh, yields going higher environment. Okay. Uh, thanks for that. Um, I guess come, coming up on time here. So let's, uh, l- let's get your guys' favorite trade ideas. Uh, JM, why don't, why don't we start with you? And I will not hold it against if you don't have one, because as we mentioned earlier, the trading environment is extraordinarily challenging. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't have much, uh, I've been I've been suggesting the the one year one year versus five year swap in in Canada, which is um, which is doing you know it's doing okay. It's it's not moving anyway. If you're liking flattener and some risk off trades, that could be an edge because uh, as we know, if we start to um, to price less of of rates hike, that 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 one could steepen out, and so I, I like like. I like the carry of the trade. Uh, I like the optionality of, of having it in the you know worst possible uh, level since basically the beginning of swaps market in Canada. Uh, right, we're I think right around minus nineteen, minus twenty right now on this one. Uh, but otherwise, I I would uh, <laughs> I would quickly say you, you I, I'm not probably not as bearish as as I. I, I did sound uh, on risk asset eater. We got to keep in mind that the, the market is flooded with, with cash, flooded with liquidity. And, and what creates big sell-off in risk or anything is lack of liquidity. And it, it's credit event. Uh, it's, not, it's not recession because we don't really care about recession. Recession lasts for a few months, maybe a year. And and markets are forward looking. Markets crashes because the the market you know the the system doesn't work and there's a margin call and you can see it in, in the commodity market the way it trades. And I, I still have difficulty to see that coming with the amount of of cash that is sitting at at the uh, you know reverse repo facility at the Fed, uh, for example, and and all the swap lines that the Fed has with all the countries right now. It's just tough to see big explosion in the funding market and stuff like that. And so what I think is is you you probably don't want to be too long a risk here, but if if there's some um 
interesting sell-off. I mean, spreads spreads of above hundred and and long Ontario, for example, could be an interest, interesting play, place to uh, to start putting putting your money to work. So just being patient. Keep in mind that you know it's definitely kind of risk off situation with with high volatility. But um, I, I think you can see it right now, even in credit, even in corpse, that there's still a lot and a lot of money that is just waiting here for for better uh, entry point. So you, you can't be too too um, you know too secure and too uh, safe. I think I think this market will bring you some nice entry point for uh, for credit. I think you saw that a bit today too. The uh, the monster AT and T deal, uh, they had huge demand for that uh, that, that uh, thirty billion dollar deal. I think uh, Francois, favorite ideas here? Yeah, um, as Jim mentioned, I, I think it's really uh, a good time, a good opportunity for. Uh, Real money accounts, long-term investment horizon, where um, close to a hundred in long provincials, you haven't been wrong very often uh, adding at those levels, uh, and it's just uh, some entry points you don't see um, um, stay in the market for 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 a very long time. I think there's a big fear factor index right now. Obviously, some high volatility, but if you can. Uh, chip away and pick away at these uh, these nice entry points just inside of 100 maybe or, or even at 100 if you get there. Uh, I think these represent very um, very good buying opportunities for for longer time longer term holders. Totally agree there. Uh, fear factor that that's a that's a good word. I think there's there's plenty of fear out there right now. Uh, day to day, minute to minute, depending on the headline. Uh, why don't we leave it there? Thanks, uh, thanks guys for coming on the show this uh, today. Thanks guys for coming on the show today, and I hope to have you on again soon. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having us. It was fun, Ben. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise it constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. 
Emo assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.